Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. Skyline, and my name is Jonathan, and uh, one of the pastors here, and excited uh, for this morning. We have something special um, this morning to share, which is super fun. We have been in a series on the spiritual gifts. What does it look like for a church to embrace these gifts that God says He gives through the Holy Spirit? And um, that was stirred by this idea that we believe that Jesus came to create what he calls a priesthood of all believers, that everyone gets to play in the kingdom of God. Everyone has a role and everyone has tasks for the kingdom um, through the Holy Spirit. And so we walk through the book of Romans, we walk through Ephesians, and most recently we walked through 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And it's just been such a, an incredible time together as I've spoken to people about kind of awakening around who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to work in us and through us and what the church looks like when the church gets this. Like, what happens in a community of people who actually come to know the Holy Spirit as a person who lives in them and allows that person to express his life through them? What happens? And what happens is the church becomes this beautiful community of love and welcome, but also of power, right? And I think that's the key that we've just been trying to tap into is that the church is meant to house the power of God, the presence and power of God. And um, one of my favorite people that I've kind of started tracking lately was a guy named John Wimber who founded the Vineyard Church way back when. And I love it because he called it doing the stuff. I, I love that. He's like, the church is called to do the stuff that Jesus did. Jesus called us to live out a similar life that he lived on the earth, this gospel of the kingdom, Right, so Mark 1, verse 15, Jesus says, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Matthew 24, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus came preaching not just good news about salvation, but good news about his kingdom, which comes on earth as it is in heaven through people who live out his way. Right? And so this kingdom is so important to understand. George Ladd uh, had this quote. He says this, The kingdom of God is the sovereign rule of God manifested in the person and work of Christ, creating a people over whom he reigns and issuing in a realm or realms in which the power of his realm is realized. I love this. So this kingdom of God is all about Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and he dies on the cross to claim for himself not just individuals, but an entire group of people who are going to live by his name in his 
power and through him, we start to establish the kingdom of God on earth. We start to see places where peace and joy and hope and faith and love, these beautiful things of Jesus actually come out of people and change places. It's the most amazing thing, and it's what the church is called to do. And it's because Jesus, in 1 John 3, says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. To destroy the devil's work. Now, we know the devil isn't flesh and blood, so the work that we're called to destroy isn't flesh and blood. We're actually called to take the power of God spiritually and to destroy the spiritual work of the devil. Acts 10 says this, you know that it has happened, what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. I love that. And power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So what did Jesus do? Jesus in the power of God went into the world and found where the power of Satan was and he came against it with his name, his power. That's, that's the role of Christians, is to find wherever the power of Satan is at work and to bring to bear the power of God against the power of the devil. And it's not about flesh and blood, right? The Bible says we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the spiritual darkness. We're to, we're to be in this kingdom and we're to seek this kingdom, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom. Right? This kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And then a final verse as we kind of launch into this is 1 John 2. I love this. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I want you to hear that again. Whoever claims to be in Christ must live as he did. And so many times I think our problem is we take that to be a statement about the morality of Jesus rather than about the ministry of Jesus. And I think it's actually about both, right? So, so if you get the morality of Jesus, but you don't get the ministry of Jesus, you get a kingdom of religion. People who do all the right things, check all the right boxes, say all the right things, have the right doctrine in their heads, and yet they're powerless uh, in this battle against the spiritual darkness in the world. Now, if you get the ministry of Jesus, you get the power, but you don't get the morality, then you get people who do great things, and then what happens? Their life falls apart. Because the inner part of their life hasn't been shaped by the character, the call of Jesus. And so what we want to do as a church is say yes to both of those. <laughs> we want to say yes to who Jesus is and how we live um, in honesty, without judgment, and unconditional love, and all these things. But we also want to say yes to the power that Jesus walked in on the earth. We want the whole ministry of Jesus. We want it all. We don't want to make a false dichotomy between those two things. Uh, another author said, author said this, every time someone turns to Christ in repentance, finding forgiveness and eternal life, the kingdom of God is extended. Every time someone says yes to Jesus in the spiritual realm, his kingdom grows and the kingdom of the enemy shrinks. Each time Jesus heals, casts out demons, prevents destruction or raises the dead, the kingdom of God is advanced. Every healing or deliverance in the name of Jesus is a curbing of the enemy's powers and the frontiers of darkness are pushed back. I love that. Every time Jesus shows up in his power, he's pushing back the boundaries of the enemy. Things that the enemy had claimed, the believer, the Christian, the follower of Jesus is reclaiming. Jesus is reclaiming for him. Speaking of his approaching death and triumph through the cross, Jesus said, now the prince of this world will be driven out. 
And the process of this driving out still continues today and we're meant to be actively involved in it. Your job as a Christian is to be actively involved in driving Satan out of people's lives, out of their families, out of their businesses, out of neighborhoods, out of uh, marketplaces and realms and industries, is to actually identify where Satan is at work and come against him with the power of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Amen. Yes. So, one of the things I wanted to do this morning is rather than just preach a whole sermon about this, I wanted us to give some testimonies about what God has been doing in the lives of people in this church to share what does this look like when you do the stuff, right? What does it look like when you allow God to work in you and through you? And um, so, I've just asked six or seven people to come up this morning and give these testimonies, and I think you're going to be so encouraged, um, both in terms of really amazing, like crazy stuff, but also just the really normal, natural life, right? Like naturally supernatural, or as my friend calls it, non-heroic mission. (laughs) This isn't, it's not like this crazy thing where you sold everything you have and you moved to the far reaches of the earth. It's no, no, you just loved your neighbor across a fence, right? So there's this huge range of how God uses people, and we all find our place in that, in that uh, kingdom to work. So, I'm going to invite, we've got the order. There's Emily. You can, you can just stand down here. It's probably more comfortable. There you go. I'm just going to sit behind you. Great. Yeah, no. Good. Good. Sounds awesome. Um, well, hi. My name is Emily Hall, and along with Mallory Dewey, I help lead the high school girls. Um, and before I get started, I wanted to share a little quote that I think will kind of set the scene for um, what I'm going to briefly talk about. So it says, oh God, oh, oh perfect, thanks, appreciate it. Um, it says, oh God, I have tasted thy goodness and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for the further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I want to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. So while the high school girls, we aren't necessarily sitting around reading Tozier together, um, we, we do read the Bible together, uh, and, and we share a meal. Jen Humphreys, I don't know if she's here this morning, she always makes an incredible meal, and it's a real blessing to us. Um, and it was probably week two, um, on this particular day, we were reading through Mark 3, where Jesus activates um, his disciples and really gives them authority in the kingdom. So, you know, we do these Bible studies kind of DBS style, and really it's the girls lead it. Mallory and I just kind of ask some questions along the way. And this particular day, we were talking a lot about, you know, what does it look like to have your identity deeply rooted in the Father um, as a daughter of a king who's just absolutely knocked out in love with these girls. And, you know, God has given the disciples kinship um, and his family in Mark 3. So we're talking about that. We're talking about real high school things where what does it look like whenever you don't get invited to a party because, you know, those girls know that you're not going to be into what they're into and they're not gonna, you're not going to want to talk about what they're going to want to talk about. Um, which is both an honor uh, to your character, but incredibly confusing and painful. Um, So we're talking about these things, and these girls are just being really vulnerable, and it's really encouraging. And 
And this one girl, it was her first time, and she just shares, um, well, she starts crying, and, and she just shares with us, with us that, you know, she's grown up in the church, she's going to, she goes to a Christian school, she knows, she knows of Jesus, she knows of God, but man, she has felt like she's in a desert. Um, and, and it wasn't until that day that she, makes me wanna cry, it wasn't until that day that she remembered um, what it's like to be surrounded by women who love the Father and who are exercising that. Um, and so what, what happened next is we asked if we could lay hands on her. And so Mallory and I and all of these, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old girls surround this girl. And gosh, I listened as these young women were like proclaiming truth over this young lady and proclaiming freedom over her life and proclaiming identity over her. Um, it's just so special. And so I think the encouraging piece of this is like, gosh, there's a generation of young women who are coming up behind us who can exercise their authority in the kingdom. They're so thirsty for the heart of the Father. They're thirsty for community. Um, and, and Jesus is just so ready and willing to give that to them. Um, so I hope that's an encouragement to you guys. And also, I just want to honor Chase Dewey. Um, that guy is the real deal. And he is leading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chase, you're awesome. I'm so grateful to be confused as your sister all the time. I love it. Um, and yeah, you guys, your kids are in great hands. So blessings to you guys. Wow. I, I just love how um, Emily and Mallory just took the moment with high school girls just to say, you're on the team. <laughs> this is what Jesus did with his disciples, so let's, let's do it too. It doesn't matter how old you are. Let's like dial in. So who we got next? Brooks, get up here. There you go. I don't know if you were turning that down or what. Yeah, yeah. Don't have to use my coaching voice right now, I guess. But um, Yeah, my name is Brooks Stevenson. Um, and you got to see our new little one, Zoe, up here uh, a second ago, and uh, we were thrilled about her, but I'm actually up here to tell you about one of Zoe's cousins, um, whose name is Trip. Trip is uh, just a couple months older than Zoe, uh, and we were thrilled when my brother and sister-in-law informed us last fall uh, that they would be having a baby in the spring. However, when my family got together to celebrate Christmas this past year, and uh, Meg and I actually had to be like out in the backyard because we had COVID and that whole deal, so it was already kind of weird. But um, my family got together to celebrate Christmas this past year. We learned that Trip was running into a couple of difficulties with his development. It was discovered that Trip had developed a double cleft, which was almost certainly affecting both his lip and palate. Even something as seemingly simple and routine as swallowing or breathing clearly now seemed like a pretty significant step for Trip. Additionally, it was heavily suspected that this would have an impact on his brain development, his hearing, and a myriad of other things that would only be detectable as time went on. Making it to delivery was going to have its own hurdles. 
But doctors and nurses in charge of Trip and Callie prepped them beforehand that they would have to, uh, more than likely, take him down to the NICU immediately after he was born um, and run all kinds of tests and everything else. So from that moment on, our family, led by Trip's parents, have constantly expressed our thankfulness that Trip was divinely placed into a family and even larger communities of believers and especially committed prayers. From the moment that we received the news, our family and countless others prayed and prayed and prayed for Trip and his mom and his dad and his sisters, the doctors and anyone else involved. In these situations, we will all commonly pray prayers of like being able to handle situations and, and difficulties well, and rightfully so. Those are, those are appropriate prayers. However, we also resolved as a family to not only pray for a successful handling of situations, but miraculous healing for Trip that could only be credited, only be credited to his Heavenly Father. We spent countless moments sprawled out on living room floors, gathered around tables, and even with many of you here in this auditorium on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, laying Trip at the feet of God. And during that time, we were graciously given a multitude of encouraging words, images, and even dreams pertaining to the situation, strengthening our resolve in our prayers for Trip and asking God to do only what he could. As I said earlier, making it to delivery had its own hurdles, but the day came, and it was a full house when Trip was born. Plenty of medical professionals present to evaluate him as soon as he arrived. The first bit of good news, as soon as Tripp did arrive on the scene, uh, was that neither side of his cleft was complete or running totally up from his mouth to his nose. That was a massive, massive deal. And as the NICU nurses started, or I guess he wasn't in the NICU now, but as the nurses started to put their fingers in his mouth to try to feel around for his palate and, and check for a cleft, um, which was a 98% chance given his thing that he would have also have cleft involvement as well. He kept getting passed around to a nurse and another nurse and another nurse, and multiple nurses checked Trip, and each said, I think his palate is completely intact. Trip breastfed immediately after he was born. In fact, we got a FaceTime later than we expected because of that fact. Funny enough, my brother said he even had to ask his wife if she even brought a pacifier to the hospital. They weren't expecting him to be able to keep one in his mouth. Trip passed his hearing test right off the bat, which is unheard of for cleft kids. The doctor literally told my brother and sister to expect him to fail it miserably. We've been told that for Trip to have a bilateral cleft lip with no palate involvement and no complete clefts was about a 1% chance given his previous diagnosis. The pediatrician who saw Trip immediately after he was released literally said these words, I don't know how many miracles I've actually seen in my life or in my practice. But this is one that's undeniable. So I was kind of thinking about praying about what it is I was going to talk about. And remembering back to, it was in April, I had what was one of the most like spiritually profound days of my life. Like, Unexpected, the day started at Harvey Bakery, which is one of my favorite places to meet the Lord and drink their coffee. And he shows up there consistently. And so the whole day, though, just blew my mind. And it was just this 
massive like downpour from the Lord that just like miraculous is the only way I could describe it. And so later that evening, some of my friends, Justin and Shelby were like, hey, come over tomorrow, talk to us. We'd love to hear this story. And so I went over to their house the next day. We're hanging out, talking, sharing about it. And it's just a really like encouraging time. And towards the end, Shelby paused for a second and she was like, Lucas, you're somebody that leaves it better than you found it. And it was probably the best compliment I've ever been given. And in it, well, there was something to it that there was like significance I could tell that it wasn't just like a nice thing to say. And so it stuck with me. And I was leaving there to go, to come here actually for like prayer and worship night and in the car and I'm like, man, that would be, that would be great. Like I would love for that to be true. Like started innocently like wishing for that, but then quickly that's when the enemy wants to kind of come in and creep in with some of those lies of like, well, that would be great if it was true, but it's not. And she listed some examples of like, here's some things, but like my mind, I could quickly come up with other examples where I wasn't that. And so praying against that, against kind of the doubt, and was just like, Lord, would you make me that? Make me somebody to where that's true, that I'm somebody that leaves it better than I found it. And so we come here, we have worship, we go in the back to pray, and um, we're praying, and they're like, we're going to end just kind of like praying over each other, so pick somebody, and Chase, I don't know where he's at, Chase was sitting in front of me, and so I tap him on the shoulder and, and he's like, come on. And so we're praying over each other and I pray over him first and then he starts to pray over me. But like in kind of the pause, like I noticed like he had like dropped his head and like dropped his hat on the ground and I'm like, is he like, did I pray something bad? Like I was like kind of confused at first of like, oh boy, that didn't land clearly. He's like throwing his hat in anger. And um, so anyways, he starts to pray over me and he's like, Lucas, this is, he's like, when I was kind of asking Holy Spirit, like, what to pray over you, I felt like God told me to take my hat off. And he's like, which is kind of weird. And so he's like, so I took my hat off, and he told me to put it on the ground. So I put it on the ground. And when I did, I noticed the stitching of what the stitching said. And he's like, that's pretty cool. And he's like, I felt like God said to pray this over you. And so, like, the stitching says, leave it better than you found it. And so, he, like an hour after, no understanding of the story, have no idea. I mean, I'm immediately weeping, of course. And so, he like prays that over me, and the Lord was just like, this is who you are. Like, I'm speaking this. It's not something that you, I want you to be or that I'm calling you to be. It's something that's like the identity I'm speaking over you. And I think one of the things I loved about this story, too, is just like the gift of prophecy, like, can be so different. It can be like a subtle like passing thought that you just share with somebody or it could be like as Chase eloquently put it God speaks through hats bro like <laughs> and it's true and he does and like the commonality there though is like that comes with like intentional pursuit of spending time with God hearing his voice knowing his voice and then speaking that voice to others because that's when life happens and but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And I just love being in a church where that's like a daily occurrence here. All right. Hi, I'm David Skidmore, if we haven't met. Nice to meet you. Uh, thanks, Lucas, because I feel like every time you talk, I get encouraged, and I love that about you. 
so just looking over here, I was thinking today about some of the different testimonies that we've had in this church, which have been really amazing from kids getting healed. Um, I, Logan, I was thinking about like a couple years ago when your hands got healed. And so you have all these moments and it's like, kind of like, man, what a sweet thing to be able to, to stand here and share for just a, just a moment um, of what the Lord's done in my life as far as his power. And so uh, I hope that uh, this encourages you in that way. When, uh, I, I, for, for me, like the thought that just came back, and as I share this story, I kind of want to set it up with like, hey, I know sometimes um, just testimonies, it feels like uh, people are just on the other side on everything. And I feel like right now I'm waiting on three miracles. And uh, so I, I, I feel like actually when you asked me, I was like, man, this is perfect this week because... Uh, one, I didn't feel like doing it, which is new. And then two, uh, it was like when you remind yourself of, of a testimony, it reminds you of who God is and how he showed up for you and, and who he's been. But in 2015, uh, I got a phone call um, that my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Some of you have gotten a, a phone call like that. Um, and things uh, were really accelerated as far as that went. As that, that went from January 2015. Uh, to June 2016. And in June 2016, I'd been spending about five months helping take care uh, of my mom up in, in Idaho. Um, and I feel like, like there, there are moments when you're like, okay, like the miracle's going to happen. And like, you know, you keep praying and keep believing. Uh, I don't know if you felt like this, but like as I was praying, I just felt like there was like this ceiling between me and God and like the prayers weren't getting through. And so, you know, like um, I... I just remember like being there on that day, like when she passed and you're just like, what do you do now? You know, like, what do you do with faith? Like, because you see all of these, all of these moments uh, and then you hear stories where it does happen. And you're like, like, what does this mean? You know, and like, like you wrestle with that. And so uh, I've been living in Tulsa before I was in Idaho, but I moved to, to Oklahoma City. And um, when I got here, just a lot of like, I, I could say over the past six years, a lot of ups and downs along the, the way, but I'm thankful to have uh, people who kept encouraging me, kept believing in me, kept challenging me, kept welcoming me when I was trying to figure out who I am at that point in life. Uh, and then like, actually, so challenged me to believe God for the things that he says. And so Gary, like I was thinking about you, just he says to us, like Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons preach the gospel. And I'm like, that feels impossible. And that's the point, you know? So it was um, a few months, was it October last year, Corey? I think it was like October or November. And you and me and Brett Martin and Brett, Brett's dad in 2012 uh, passed away from uh, stage four cancer as well. And so like, um, the three of us load up with some Rudy's burritos, uh, Rudy's tacos early in the morning. We go up to John and Pat Ward's house because our friend John Rossi, his brother, Paul, uh, is in his late 50s, early 60s, and uh, he needed a miracle, stage four cancer. And, um, you know, we're just part of this believing church. And so we go in there, and that day, a group of, of people pray for, for Paul. And uh, a week later, Paul's totally healed. Uh, cancer's completely gone. And, um, you know, I, I guess what, what I'm saying in, in all of this is like sometimes like you get the miracle that you want, but sometimes God just goes, you know what, you didn't necessarily get what you want out of it, but like, I'm still good. I'm still faithful. I'm still going to show up. 
and just keep, just keep believing me. And even if you don't believe me for those things now, like just keep believing me and like long-term, like let it play out, let it play out. And, and I feel like that's the testimony is we have a God uh, who at the end of the day, I don't know why he does what he does and why he answers some prayers and doesn't answer others. But I will tell you this, I've seen him do it. Uh, here, I've seen him do it again, and I believe like that's the power that's happening in this church is that we're stepping forward believing him, and we're just going to go ahead and do that in this city, and uh, we're going to take it back. And uh, we're, we're going to do that because we're going to lay our hands on the sick. We're going to uh, do, do what Jesus says. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to cast out demons, and um, we're going to preach the gospel. And he's powerful. It's his power. It's not ours, but he's in us. He's with us. And so that, that's my testimony today is that he is active. He is faithful. He is powerful. Uh, and we'll see him work. So thank you. It's kind of hard to follow that. Um, my story, I'm Sue, by the way. I'm on staff here, so you do see me a lot. But you get to see me again. Um, my story is just of a recent experience that I had where I just was reminded of the sweet and gentle presence of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. Um, about a little over a week ago, we had a worship night where we were going to focus on dance and movement, and that was led by Katie Williams. I don't know if she's here today, um, but she had this dream to lead. She's a beautiful dancer, um, and she worships with abandon, and it is so fun to watch her. Like, I just, I don't know. There's this extra level of entering into the presence of God when I watch her, but um, I was a dancer. Well, not really a dancer. I dabbled in dance as a kid and a teenager, and I loved it, and it, like, I just, I loved it, but I I grew up believing that all of life had compartments and like there were spiritual things that counted for God and then everything else was over in this other compartment. And dance was one of those things in the other compartment. Like, yeah, you got it. That's great. You can do it. It's fine. But it's not something that like brings glory or honor to God. And um, so I've kind of, I thought I had moved out of that box in the last several years, but um, I went to this night a week or so ago, and um, honestly, I just went out of obligation. Like, I work here. I kind of needed to go to a thing. And I, the, Katie began by welcoming in the Holy Spirit and inviting the presence of Jesus, and she read all these scriptures about dance and worship, and using our bodies to glorify Jesus. And then she said this thing that really struck me, that all of the church, in every corporate gathering, all the church is invited to sing. Like, we don't reserve singing for the ones who do it well. It's for everyone. And that is the same for dance. She was like, we don't reserve dancing just for the ones who know how to do it. Like, God has given us bodies. He says we are His temple. Like, His Spirit lives in us, and He wants us to express worship to Him through our body. So, I know everyone in that room was just as nervous as I was, and feeling self-conscious, and 
you know, am I going to look goofy or whatever? But she started the music and began to show us moves, and everything that she did was intentional. Like, we're going to do this move because when we are apart from Jesus, we can fail. But when we mold ourselves into who He is and like into His heart, into His life, He never fails. And so every single thing was like that. And so then she would just turn the music on, and I just felt all of that other stuff just drift off. And I focused on Him and worshiping Him like like that for the first time in my life. And immediately I was just overwhelmed with tears, which tears are always a pretty good indicator to me that He's near, um, because I just can't—my body can't handle it when He comes close. But— um, he, I, I just sensed his nearness in a way that I can't explain. And it was such a sweet reminder. It was so gentle. Like it wasn't some crazy thing, but it was like I knew he was near. And one of the verses that she read really stuck with me, and it's Psalm 149. Um, it says, Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with instruments. For the Lord takes delight in his people. And I didn't have words for it, but that is what I felt in that moment. Like I felt his delight. And I didn't know I needed that little thing, that little lie I'd believed to be redeemed, but he, he did it anyway, just through that one experience. And it, to me, that was just such a sweet and powerful reminder of him saying, there is not anything in your life, big or small, I don't care how big or how small, that He doesn't want to redeem and, and won't, even when we're not expecting it. So, He's just faithful. Um, my name is Shelby, and um, back in May, I got sick and came down with what I thought was food poisoning. I was throwing up. I was in bed for three days. It was terrible. Um, I recovered from it, but the next week it came back. Same deal, in bed, sick for three days. Um, and it just kept coming back every week, every week for two months. I was so sick. I lost 15 pounds. Um, my hair started falling out. Um, I was just really discouraged and I was really scared. Um, so I went to the doctor and got some blood work done and there was really no explanation for why I was feeling the way I was feeling other than really high levels of inflammation. Um, so I had a symptom that I could speak to and I just kind of started there. I think, okay. Um, my mother-in-law um, saw me kind of resolving to this sickness and saying, you know, I, I can just find the right medication, I can find the right diet and the right food, and I can find a way to live with this. I, I stayed positive, but I'm just going to kind of like submit to it and find out how to just incorporate it into my life in the best way possible. And she said, I just, that just breaks my heart. You know, you have authority 
in, as in your body through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus left you with authority over this, and I want you to use it. She said, there's so much power in just speaking the truth out loud. And to me, I'd never done anything like that before. I'd never talked out loud with authority to Jesus. And so I kind of started practicing that. She said, when I pray for you, I just want you to say, thank you, Jesus, for my healing. Like, just say that out loud. So she prayed over me, and I, I said that. I said, thank you, Jesus, for my healing. And I was, I was well for like a week, so I guess I had received some degree of healing from her faith, and it was really encouraging to me. So I was like, okay, something's working here. Um, I, re, I, I call it a relapse. I relapsed a week later um, and was discouraged, but I was like, okay, we've got a prayer team here at, at, at church. I'm, I was like waiting right there, like, hurry up. When are they going to come? I got to get up there. Um, and the, you know, the Bible says, and Jonathan says this all the time to remind us, like, if anyone is sick, come to the church. Let us pray for you. Let us anoint you with oil. And that's what they did. I was prayed for. I was anointed with oil, and I could just feel the Spirit moving in that situation. And I could feel healing happening. And again, was healed by the faith of other believers. Um, I, I stayed well for over a week at that point, and again was like, okay, I'm on to something here. But realized, like, this is a spiritual attack on me, and it's my faith that needs to seal the deal. And so uh, that was in late June, so it had been going on for, you know, over two months, or around two months at this point. And my birthday was on July 6th, and I woke up feeling bad. And I was like, you know what? I have had enough of this. And through my journey, the Lord had showed me, like, you need to get in my word about this. You're doing the praying. You're doing all the right things, but I need you to get in my word. I have something to show you. And so I laid out my Bible on my kitchen table and went to war, literally. Um, I, I got in the Word, and I just started finding passages about healing, which there are so many um, to choose from. And I just picked about 10 of them that resonated with me, and I just started speaking them as truth over my situation out loud. And I said, I was healed 2,000 years ago. I refused to bear what Christ bore for me. A joyful heart is good medicine. My prayers are powerful and effective. He is giving me strength and increasing my power. And as I said those words out loud, I just imagined like Satan fleeing from my house. Like, just get out of here. I was talking like a crazy person. <laughs> and it felt kind of good. And, and as I was doing all of this, I could literally feel in real time the symptoms of my stomach just dissolving. This sounds crazy, but it's true. And I was like, well, that was cool. Uh, and so I went on with my birthday and had a great birthday. I was symptom-free for the rest of the day. I'd written down all of those um, declarations just to have on hand. And the next day, sure enough, they start creeping back in. And I'm like, uh-uh. I went into my closet because my kids were home, and I was just, I'm, I'm free from every disease. God wants me to be in good health. Amen, you know? Oh, and, and I just did the battle. And let me tell you, those symptoms have come back here and there, but I had my weapon, the Word, and I have not been back in bed. I have not thrown up. I'm eating a normal diet, and I've regained all of my weight. So if you look up healing in the Bible and you see what Jesus does, you'll see he heals everybody differently. You know, just like you said, I don't know why he does what he does or how he does what he does, but if you listen to him, he will tell you what he wants to do with you. And that's how he healed me.
Hi, I'm Christina. I'm pretty nervous to be up here today, and um, Jonathan asked me to speak like on Wednesday, and but forgot to tell me when. <laughs> and so um, I hosted a party for one of our church members last night. We were in my house in the upstairs worshiping and praising um, until like one o'clock, which I go to bed at 9.30. <laughs> Uh, and so I told Jonathan I wasn't going to do it. Uh, I didn't think so, but I got up this morning exhausted. I haven't taken a shower yet, none of the things. <laughs> my house is a mess. But I, I sat down at my computer and just said, am I supposed to do this? And he wrote something for me to share. So if you guys could just pray for me for a second, that I sit down so God can stand up through me and speak what somebody in here needs to hear. I would really appreciate the help. So less than a year ago, I think November of last year, God radically changed my life. I had spent much of my adult life traveling the world, living in, I lived in India, I traveled to Cambodia, I lived in San Francisco, I lived in New York, exploring other religions, and other practices, and I thought I had some peace from that. I was seeking something. But I, like most of my friends in my circle, I saw Jesus through the lens that he was just another spiritual teacher with some good core teachings, but that the result of following him looked like a life lived under a list of rules with a coding of shame restriction, intolerance, and frankly, close-mindedness. And it's a much longer story uh, for a different day about how I got here, but I did. It was actually through the invitation of a friend, Will Lightfoot. And the second time I was sitting here, over here in this pew at Skyline, and Jonathan was talking about the Holy Spirit, and something inside of me whispered, yes. I will. I don't want to miss this. And in that moment, it was like the world turned into a kaleidoscope of color and an explosion of love. And all my objections and all my fears and my sense of rebellion were, they were gone. And I had found something and there was no looking back for me. So many months later, I finally felt it was time to get baptized and to declare my commitment publicly, which is really frightening for me because n none of my friends are Christians. I mean, they were, actually there were some pocket ones I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but the night before my baptism, um, I sat to pray and sit with God and um, gosh, just fear flooded me uh, and things that came to mind. I was. Every doubt I had ever had about Christian people, and I was one now, but what I, assumed to, what I assumed it meant to live as a Christian just came back. It felt like it was coming from the outside onto me. It was fear about releasing all of my past life, my past self, the me that I had placed so much value on. My identity was in this, this person. The thoughts were coming at me and they were saying literally things like, you're joining a cult. This is not the right thing for you. Remember this other way of life that you have. 
that has so much freedom. Freedom to say what you want, to pray to what you want, to experiment, to do whatever you want, to not be ridiculed and to not be seen as one of those people. And so I got no sleep that night and I woke the next morning, I was shaken and I was honestly like really uncertain if I should go through with this baptism. Um, not because I didn't believe, but because I just, I was really shaken. Um, but there were like 15 people coming and I didn't have all their phone numbers, so that was part of it, I'm just kidding. But, um, but the real truth is because of what God did for me, sitting in that pew, I knew how much he loved me. And so I got my Bible out, my fresh little Bible with not a lot of writing in it. <clears throat> and I didn't really know the Bible very well and I'm still learning. But I just sat and I, my, on my front porch and I prayed. It's a simple, really earnest prayer. And I just said, Jesus, I know from experience how faithful you are. I know how much you love me. And when I've asked before to be renewed, to be made steadfast, to be given faith, you have given it. And I said, Jesus, I need that right now. I need it right now. And I prayed for a verse, and I opened my Bible. And when I opened my Bible, it landed open like this to a verse about baptism. It was Galatians 3.27, and on the side was the verse, and on the side was a commentary about the verse. And the commentary explained that in baptism, you are putting on Christ. Your old self will, will be no more. So you kind of don't, like, don't need to worry. It will be no more. And that this is as it should be, because you are now covered in his love and bestowed with faith and he will never leave you and nothing else matters anymore. <sighs> oh, I mean, it just... And so later that morning, I came to church to be baptized and Jonathan called us forward if you were here. There was four of us and two little kids. And as he spoke, to my amazement, he prayed the exact scripture from Galatians that the Holy Spirit had shown me that morning. And later, as I emerged from his living waters, I understood real freedom that I, like everyone here, am truly seen, I am known, I am beloved, I am held, I am chosen, I am specially appointed for his tasks and his purpose on me. That he listens and responds, that he is love, and that nothing else matters. Thank you. Wow. Um, 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, so you just got a, um, just a fire hose of the kingdom this morning. Here's what the kingdom of God looks like, and it's coming in the hearts and lives of real people. And it's not about who stands on stage, and it's not about who gets paid. It's about whose heart is fully for him. And uh, Christina, I love that you got to share this morning. Uh, what, I think it was like, I don't remember, it was one of your first or second Sundays here, Lance Humphreys met you and had a word for you. But he had part of it that he didn't share for you, which he said, I looked at Christina from the back of her head, and God said, God, I'm going to use her to share her story to change people's lives. And he's like, I'm not going to share it because that might be weird. I don't know this lady. But it literally was like, that's happening. And what I see the power poured out in people's lives, it's just amazing. And I love because we're, we're all just normal people. <laughs> we're just normal people who love Jesus and we're just want to be involved with him doing the stuff. So I'm going to invite the band back up. I love this passage of scripture in Luke where Jesus shows up to these two disciples on the road, and they walk down the road, and it says, as they walked, he explained the kingdom of God to them. And after he gets done, they said, did our hearts not burn within us? And hopefully your heart this morning's burning after hearing these stories. And maybe there's something in your life that you heard this morning. They're like, I need that. I need fresh faith. I need hope. I need healing. I need somebody just to speak something over my life to encourage me, to comfort me, as Lucas described prophecy so well. Um, we just want to do that for you this morning. So our prayer team, I'm going to invite them up right now. They'll spread out on both sides uh, of the altars here. But we're just going to sing one more song in worship, and we'll close out our service. But if you'd stand to your feet... If you need any of that, if anything got described this morning, we've got anointing oil down here. If you need healing or somebody you know needs healing, we would love to ask. That's it. Jesus just says, ask. Um, and so we practice that over and over again. Whatever it is you need, we just ask him. Um, because he says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Amen. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you for these uh, sweet powerful people who shared this morning just their testimony of who you are and what you've done. And I love that in Acts 1 you say, I am going to send you into the world as witnesses. <laughs> just take your testimony into the world and share it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything else but tell who I am and what I've done. So we've heard that this morning, Lord, and our faith is rising right now about what you're going to do in this generation to reclaim the world for yourself. And so Holy Spirit, we just say come right now. I pray that you would just encourage, comfort, guide, convict us. Um, we love your work, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we say you're the Son of God. You're the Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You are all in all and we love you. And Father, you're a good Father. So this morning we receive every gift that you have for us in faith, knowing that you love us, you love us, you love us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. If you need prayer, please come forward.